grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation is the first lesson from the book of Hebrews. You may be seated. I'm the new guy here. One of the things you need to know about me is I'm a baseball fan, a St. Louis Cardinal baseball fan. Having moved to St. Louis, my wife has now informed me that I don't have to watch every inning of every game. I was watching a pregame interview the other evening, and you know they're all pretty much the same. A manager whose team is six games out of first place with 13 games left in the season truly believes that his team still has a chance to win the division. Obviously, Joe Madden doesn't remember, or he's choosing to forget Chicago Cub history. That's the way it's got to be in sports, however. You can't go into a game expecting to lose. No matter what your franchise history has been, no matter what pitching staff you're going against, you've got to have hope. You've got to believe that when that last out is called at the end of the series, your team will be celebrating the victory. Hebrews chapter 11 encourages us to have that same victorious kind of faith. It's the list of heroes and the victories that they won by faith. In fact, the words by faith appear more than 20 times in this chapter. It begins with a classic definition. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Today, the text encourages us to examine our faith. What is it that you believe? What do you hope for? What are you absolutely certain of? And how does your faith influence the way you live? Faith always begins with a promise. Even the faith we have in common, ordinary things is based on a promise. For example, you've got a headache, and you go to the medicine cabinet, and you pull out two little white tablets, and you believe that your headache will go away. Now, what convinces you to believe that? You've seen the commercials. You trust the pharmaceutical company. You're convinced that there is something in this medication that will do all that it claims to do. You believe. Our faith, however, is based upon the promises of our God. Do you find it kind of strange that people today will believe the promises of a pharmaceutical company but they cannot, they will not believe in the promises of our God who created the entire universe by his word. His word. 
That's what has brought us all together here today, His Word. We study His Word. We prepare ourselves to proclaim His Word to the world around us. We know that that Word is filled with promises and the assurance over and over again that our God remembers all of His promises. And all of those promises find their fulfillment in the promise of a Savior. And so we know and believe in our hearts that God graciously sent His only begotten Son into our human flesh to bear our sins and to be our Savior. God remembers His promises. But for Jesus' sake, He forgets. He remembers our sins no more. Is it any wonder then that St. Paul told Timothy, remember Jesus Christ? On this campus, it is all about Jesus Christ. In this symposium, it's all about Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. By His Holy Spirit, God gives you the ability to accept that in Christ, all of His promises are true. That all that you're expecting from God, all that you hope for, will happen. And that's faith. The emphasis of this section of Hebrews, however, is not on what faith is, but what faith does how faith responds, how it influences our lives. It calls us to remember some of the great heroes of the Old Testament. And among them are kings and slaves and adulterers and murderers and liars and cheats. All people whose lives were changed, who gained great victories by faith. I suspect that every one of us here today can look back and remember a hero of faith in our own personal lives. Perhaps for you it was a, a faithful parent or a grandparent. Or maybe it was the Sunday school teacher or a member of the congregation who had taken a hold of the promises of God and had set them apart made them special in your eyes. You looked at them as a role model of what it means to be a Christian. For many of us here, it was a faithful pastor who preached the Word of God and administered the sacraments, who lived and served in such a faithful way that he became the role model for you and the hero of your faith. But our reading today focuses our attention on Abraham, the father of all the faithful. He and Sarah must have been enjoying a pretty good life in the land of Ur. At this time, he was 75 years old, and they were probably looking forward to a, a comfortable retirement. But God had other plans for them. 
a different future than the ones that they planned for themselves. We heard it in the words of Genesis yesterday, how God made a promise to Abraham. The promise that he would be the father of a great nation, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. God promised Abraham a land, a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey that would be his inheritance and belong to his descendants. This plan meant Abraham had to change his plans. He had to move from Ur, the land of his father, the land of the Chaldeans, the land of many gods, to go to the land of Canaan, the land which his God had promised to him. And so he and Sarah had to give up everything that they had. They had to leave, up, leave everything that was near and dear to them to go to a place they'd never seen, a place that was far away and unknown. And what could move them to take such a risk? They could end up losing everything. They could become the laughingstock. Everyone would mock them. And as far as becoming the father of a multitude, at his age, it was absolutely ridiculous, totally impossible. Most of us would likely have said, Lord, thanks, but no thanks. But Abraham's response is what set him apart for all of history. And it's what entitles him to a place in this hall of fame, the great ones of faith. The text says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he would receive as his inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He trusted that God's promises to him were true. He relied on it. He obeyed it. And he went out. The amazing thing is he traveled to that, that distant land, that land which was supposed to be his. He traveled through that land, and yet he was never able to possess it as his own. He spent the rest of his life as a nomad. Twenty-five years went by. Abraham was now 99 years old, and he and his wife still had no children. And yet Abraham remembered the promise. He didn't lose his faith. He waited, and he wasn't disappointed. To wait in faith is hard to do. We find it hard to wait for just about anything. Hard to wait in the checkout line at the grocery store. Hard to wait at the red light in traffic. Hard to wait for the lab results to come back from a medical exam. The hardest times for us are those in-between times, in between taking the aspirin and when the relief actually comes, in between our prayers and seeing God's answer, 
in between the promise and the fulfillment when nothing seems to happen and we wonder why God isn't acting on our behalf. That's when we're most tempted to lose our grip, to forget the promises, to give up our hopes, to lose our faith. So what was it that kept Abraham and Sarah and all the other great heroes? Hebrews says Abraham was looking forward. Through the memories of God's promise and the fulfillment of all those promises along the way, the Holy Spirit kept Abraham and Sarah looking forward He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. They were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. They were looking to their new home, their real home, their eternal home, and the assurance of all the things they hoped for, the conviction of things they couldn't yet see. I was impressed this morning by the drama taking place with the water as we heard the words of absolution. St. Paul told the Romans, don't you know? In other words, don't you remember that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him by baptism into death. In order that just as he was risen from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Remember your baptism. As we heard yesterday, those aren't just empty words. Remember your baptism. The power of your daily life. Remember your baptism. And keep looking forward. Today we gather at the altar and we hear again our Lord's gracious command and promise. Do this in remembrance of me. There are so many memories here. Memories of those who have knelt beside us and those who have distributed to us. There are memories of the taste of the bread and the sweet smell of the wine and our Lord's very own words, this is my body, this is my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. This is his promise to you. You remember it? You know it's true. You've come to rely upon it. Here at the altar again today is the assurance of everything you hope for. Here is your victory in Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.